right, everybody, welcome again. Uh, this is our second podcast uh, brought to you by Investor Thrive. Uh, if you don't know what it is, check it out, InvestorThrive.com. It's a business that's helping you know uh, wholesalers succeed in their personal lives and in their business. So check it out. That's uh, what the pro- this broadcast, this podcast is brought to you by them. So um, today, kind of wanted to chat about uh, with my business partner Corey Roysom. Today, we wanted to talk about our second half of the first year that we were going Yeah, last over. episode we kind of ended off with where we were at the first half of the first year. Yeah. And so we're just going to pick up. Christmas time, yeah. Yeah, right, after, right before Christmas time is where we left off. And this one we'll pick up and kind of share what happened the rest of the year of our first year in business. And if we have time, we'll, you know, go into the second year. Yeah. And again, guys, if you're tuning in for the first time, um, the reason why we're doing this is just kind of show you guys like our trajectory or like how we've gone through business and navigated it. Right now we've been in business for about three years. We're not the greatest wholesalers or the greatest business of all time, but you know, it's taken some time to get to where we are and we've made a ton of mistakes. Um, and the, the purpose of showing you guys what we've done is hopefully you can learn from, you know, what, what we've done. Yeah. We want to show you guys our journey so you can, you know, learn from what we did wrong and apply what we did right. Yeah. So last time we ended by talking about Barbara, who was like one of the deals we did at the end of the year in Christmas time where she was a hoarder and we moved her uh, and it was a nightmare. It was horrible. Like, don't ever do that. Worst decision we made. Dude, I remember. (laughs) Was moving her. I remember I was moving her son's bed. It was her like four year old son and it had like straight just pee, I don't know if it was pee or sweat stains like ingrained in the bed. It was so bad and I was moving it. Yeah, it I, wasn't, like, I wasn't touching that. I, he wasn't touching it, so I had to touch it. And it had like rat, little rat pellets of turds on it. It was horrible, dude. I mean, nasty. It was nasty. Don't ever move anyone. Yeah. Go back and reference the first one. Don't, it was a bad experience. So anyway, after that happened, um, we also kind of, glossed over this in the last one, but we want to talk about it more. We hired a cold calling team. Like after we got some money and some deals closed, we're like, yeah, I think like November sometime, I think is when we hired them. Yeah. So we were, we hired this cold calling team and it was our buddy, Steve Jordan from uh, college, super, super good friend of ours. Um, and this guy named Blake and that went to college with us as well. And we also had some people that would come in occasionally and call for, um, commission. I wanted to like learn how to do it, learn about wholesaling, kind of get their feet wet. Yeah, and we, we had gotten a couple of deals from cold calling, so we are like, let's scale this out. Let's get some more cold callers. Yeah. And uh, we got them all in the Mojo Dialer. We had to meet at the broker's office we were working at, and they'd call for four hours a day. And it was brutal for these guys. Like, they couldn't handle it. They were calling, and they were getting yelled at, and it was, you know, yeah. it was hard. For, but they did it, we, and we paid them 15 bucks an hour. Yeah, we were, I don't know how we afforded that. We were generous because we, 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 be, we believed that it was like, hey, the, the better quality of callers, like the more deals, better deals we'll get, right? And, Just a uh, tip, guys. Don't, pay, don't ever pay anybody 15 bucks an hour to cold call. No. It's, an, it's a simple numbers game. It doesn't really matter. They can be from, we've tried many cold yeah, callings. We've tried. Filipinos, Egyptians, Mexicans. U.S. people. It's all kind of the it's same. It's all a numbers game. So honestly, the foreign people probably can handle the longevity, like how long they have to work better yeah. than the Americans can. To be honest, yeah. I mean, if you pay five bucks an hour for, um, you know, a foreign person, or uh, you know, you outsource it overseas, you can get three times the amount of 
calling done as you do one person for 15 bucks an hour. Yeah, and then in all reality, they're just saying, hey, do you want to sell? That's pretty much all they can get done. Yeah, but anyway, basically finding people. Yeah. So one thing that was kind of funny is Blake, one of our cold callers that we hired, he was from Canada and he didn't have like a place to live. He had just gotten like his transitioning. So I, we wanted to hire him because he was smart, smart kid. So I, I went to my wife and I was like, hey, babe, like Blake needs a place to live. Can he live in our house? He's going to cold call for me. And he's going to pay a little bit of rent, but I'm paying him anyway. So it's like guaranteed rent. She was not feeling it, but I like convinced her because I really wanted to grow the business and uh, you know build our team. But I don't know how she agreed to it because like our bedroom is like in our house. Like we don't have a big house, but our bedroom's right here, and he lived in the room like right across from our bedroom, and it was just a terrible idea. Shared the fridge, shared, shared everything, right? No, I gave him a separate fridge in the ba- in the garage. It was like one of those mini fridges. Oh, gotcha. But he would always put his stuff in my fridge. I'd be like, bro, I got you your own fridge. Don't put your stuff in our fridge. He's like, oh, sorry. And it's like, no, nah, he knew what he was doing. He's trying to walk out to the garage to get his eggs. <laughs> so that was a pretty funny experience we had him. So after, so the reason why I bring up the cold calling team is, Things kind of died down after you know we did the barber deal. We didn't get a lot yeah, of deals after Christmas. After that. We took a break for Christmas. Like took a break from full Christmas. Two week break. Right, and after that we went like two or three months. We had Mo. In oh January. my gosh, dude! I forgot. So we'll about get into Mo. Mo probably a little later. That's it's gonna a, be it's a crazy story. So Mo we'll get into cr- Mo at kind of the end of the the podcast yeah so but just to let you know cold calling like we didn't get we did to get mo's deal from cold calling and i think that's the one that you cold called or i cold called or something i don't remember and, i just remember we went over there so many times yeah that was from like previous in the year but anyway so the cold calling thing after hiring our guys like it just didn't we weren't producing a lot of leads uh or, or deals at that point so yeah, i don't think either of them got any deals yeah that's another reason like they got you to get to get deals from cold calling. You got to put in the time and a lot, a lot of effort, right? A lot of number. It's a yep. totally numbers game. So um, they were calling for four hours a day. It wasn't really translating. So we kind of crushed that. We left his friends and said, "Hey guys, it's not making sense. It's not working." And the the office we were working at that time with the broker, um, we had actually like decided to partner with him a little bit earlier because we thought it'd be a good idea. And it, things just didn't work out with him either. Like you know, cool guy, but it just. He, he had his brokerage. He had other uh, things he was focusing on. We didn't feel. Yeah, we just felt like a partnership really didn't make sense because of like the amount of effort we were putting in versus what we perceived and felt he was putting in. It just didn't. Yeah. It didn't click well with us. So. Par- partnerships are tough. You know, it's a lot about like what you feel is fair. And that's just like sometimes it doesn't matter. It's, yeah. I mean, it's it subjective to each person. So Exactly. So me and Corey, like since we've. The good thing about our partnership is worked out because we both trust each other. And we both feel if he's not working, who cares? Like he puts in a lot of work, I put in a lot of work. But to bring in that third partner, it was like, it just didn't make work. It, it didn't. Yeah. So we decided to leave that office after the cold calling didn't work. And we, I remember I talked to him. I said, "Hey, man, it's just not gonna. It doesn't make sense." And he's like, "Hey, you guys are." And he tried to convince us to stay because we had actually got him Lee's deal and a couple other deals. So he was yeah, making- we got him some serious cash. We got him some sick deals. For not much effort on his part. So he, he probably saw us leaving as like, oh crap, like this is a big opportunity I'm losing. So he tried to convince us, but we were like, look man, like we don't feel like you're doing the effort. And he's like, and I remember him saying like, but my experience is here to help you. Like that's what I provide. And I remember I was like, well, 
we hired the cold callers, like why didn't you tell us to like not pay that much? Like obviously we were overpaying for cold callers. He, he's like, I need you, I needed you to learn. <laughs> he's like, I needed you guys to learn from your mistakes. And I'm like, then what's, what was the point of your experience if you just were gonna have us overpay and it not work out? So anyway, things kind of ended I would say kind of rough because he didn't only want us to go, but we just up and left because we didn't feel like it was a good idea to, to partner and give away, you know, yeah, 30%. I think we told him we'd give him, we'd give him an answer on Monday. We just did. And Friday we like took all our stuff. Yeah. He left early and Friday we took all our stuff and just left. And then we met him Monday and he was, he looked like he had a rough weekend. Like yeah, we he met was, him Monday, like he hadn't slept all weekend. <laughs> and we're like, Hey, Sorry, man, it's not going to work. And he was but just... I think it worked out for him. I think, like, now he does his own yeah. wholesaling. Like, I think they do well. Yeah. He's still got sure his brokerage. They, he's got a big team now. I'm sure he's doing better yeah, sure than we are. Yeah, I'm sure he's <laughs> doing really well. So, might have might have been a good thing for yeah, man. both of us. I mean, know? honestly, to involve partners, like, it's tough. Like, you guys have to all have the same vision. All be cool with each other. Trust each other. All add value in different ways. All add value. And, and and when you feel like, hey, this guy's not doing enough, like that's when it starts getting rocky. So you have to be on the same page and be like, hey, if I take Clear it. Your expectations need to be set. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, so anyway, we ended up leaving the office with him and we reached out to another guy named Andrew that we, we uh, networked with, some guy that was a buyer. And we're like, hey, man, can we go work in your office? Because we had just left the other one. He's like, yeah, sure. I got a big office and I'm not using it. So he let us work in there. And we were like, hey, man, if you at this point, we were kind of low on cash, right? We were actually yeah, really we low on cash. Spent our money paying the cold callers, paying trying ourselves. marketing, paying ourselves. So we said to him, like, hey, Andrew, do you think you give us two thousand dollars and we'll 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 pay you back your two thousand dollars and we'll we'll try and get you yeah, listings. We'll try to bring you deals. Yeah. yeah, we'll try to bring you. He was an agent. So we're like, we can get you listings and, you know, we'll pay you back. And he was like, OK. You know, he had a lot of money. He probably yeah. thought two thousand dollars was nothing. So he was loaded. And for us, it was a lot. And then we spent that two thousand dollars, I think, on ma- on mailers. No, we spent it on flyers. On flyers, hand delivered ourselves. Yeah. So <laughs> we stopped paying for the people to flyer because it was a lot to manage. Like they'd go out. You people you'd, were there's so much turnover. Like oh, people gosh. were just quitting left and right. So we we're always having to find new people, and it's just. So we started flying. Yeah. So we'd go out to West Valley or like someplace, you know, on the get, Kearns, yeah, the ghetto Salt area, Lake. Salt Lake, and we'd flyer and people. It just it sucked, dude. We'd walk for like an hour or two. Yeah, we'd put out probably like a hundred flyers an hour or so. Not even. I think it was like fifty flyers an hour. No, because you think about a one door a minute, you can do more than one a minute. I wasn't. I think we averaged like one or two a minute. Yeah. Anyways, we it weren't sucked. putting out enough for it to make a dent. Yeah, like it, at that point, we were just like, dude, with just me and you flying for two hours a day, we ain't getting a deal. This ain't just not yeah, going to work. not even close. Yeah, so. so then I think after we, um, after we kind of s- decided like, hey, this flying stuff ain't going to work, Andrew had closed his office. Right. Went to a smaller office where there wasn't really room for us, which was fine. So we just started working out of our homes again. Yeah. So we'd rotate every week. Rotate back and forth. Once a week. Once a week. And then uh, at that point, we started getting heavy into texting. Right, right. We're like, we need to get leads somehow. 
and uh, you know the cheapest and simplest way was texting. So texting, we got big into texting. Yeah, texting was huge. And, yeah, I mean it. It made us the majority of our money. This like the end of the first year and the beginning of the second year. It made us like most of our money. Yeah. So texting was huge, and at this time, you know, we had learned from like some of the training, like Alex Youngblood and all those other people, like VAs. We had never done VAs until this point, but we're like, let's get some VAs. So we <laughs> we hired two VAs. Remember, it was a Prince and Brian. Brian. So Brian was cold calling for us. Yeah. Which he actually got a deal from cold calling. He did, yeah. And then Prince was started out cold calling, right? Mm -hmm. And then we kind of stopped cold calling and uh, went into texting, went into I think. texting full time. And I think we fired Brian because like, we found out that he would just. He was gaming. He was gaming the whole time. And. He would he would call people on the Mojo Dialer and the Mojo Dialer has like a pause sometimes so they he'd be like brr, brr, they'd answer and it'd be like that little pause and he they'd be like hello and he'd just go right and he wouldn't even like he just blast through the pitch he'd be like you want to say your house and they'd be like what and he'd hang up. I think also after you hang up you have eight minutes to to dispo the call yeah. to like choose whether you talk to him whether it's a bad number so you got eight minutes before it'll kick you off the dialer. I think he used all eight minutes every single call. So, <laughs> just sitting there, and 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 these guys are from the Philippines, by the way. These are VAs we got from the, for the Philippines, and they were cool. But you know, every time we called Brian, he'd have his shirt off, like he'd be sweating, like it must have been hot in the Philippines when he was when he was calling, dude. So, apparently, he was he did pretty well and didn't really need the money. He didn't really need the money. He was apparently from like ro Filipino royalty, and he like got inherited a bunch of apartment complexes. So he was just having fun, doing it for fun, doing I guess. His thing, yeah. So we got Prince, and Prince is cool. We're still friends with Prince, and he would he started doing like all like everything we needed, texting. Uh, cold calling we'd have him like do a hybrid of all that so at that point like with Brian he brought us a couple de one deal and then Prince we uh, we still weren't producing a lot of deals right so we're like we're not and we, we realized it's like and hey, we really struggled to sell them yeah our buyers list like, was we trash we still could not sell deals very well like we'd get one or two people interested that we knew and then yeah we just we struggled to sell them so at that point you know, we started, we, we cold called, we got a deal. It wasn't a deal right away. So it had like a couple months had passed and then it turned into a deal from his cold calling. Mm -hmm. But then we started texting. Um, I started out texting first. Um, I got a couple deals and then we're like, all right, let's have a VA do it. Right. And yeah. So then we had the VA start doing it. Um, but those, those, that first deal we got, I think was, First one that closed, I think, was like JJ, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So real quick before you go into the, that, like we wanted to, I wanted to say, like we weren't, we were running low on funds, right? So we took like a huge leap of faith at this time. We got like a, we started getting some personal credit cards, and zero I zero interest, zero interest personal credit cards like Capital One, and you got some, and we got thirty thousand dollars on there, and we we had like this is like we've never been in debt. I had never been in debt at that Me point, neither. but we went all in. So we. We started paying for lists, texting, and we got we went with Google AdWords, AdWords nerds, right? Yeah, they're a, a PPC provider. And we had them run campaigns for pay per click in Utah, just specifically Utah, and they produced, um, you know, a couple deals for us, which it was expensive. It was like, like twenty. Yeah, I think we spent like thirty and made like seventy k. On the so a little over two x our money. Yeah, and and I remember that was over a you know 
a six month period of time. Right, but that's that's when we got that credit card though. We we and we took that leap. So, just get, let you guys know. Sometimes it's gonna take a leap. Like honestly, like to get consistent deals in this business, you either need to go into debt. I mean, to scale up your business, you gotta get more leads. So yeah. that usually costs money. So you you gotta take you gotta keep taking those leaps, increasing your marketing budget to move the needle forward. Yeah, so like when we started the business, we started with zero dollars. We we were just like, hey, we don't want to put money. We'll we'll get a deal and we'll use that deal to fund it. So what it's looked like has been like freaking. You make some money, you pay yourself, you pay for the marketing, it goes down like a roller coaster. And that's how it's been for like the for a while, like until recent, like for last year. Like we've been in this for like three years. The first like two years, it's been it's been up and down, and it's mainly because of the lead flow. Yeah, lead flow is huge. It's giant. So it's the most important part of the business, hands down. Oh gosh. So real quick, so we got their credit card, we got AdWords Nerds, and we got JJ, which was a fat deal. Um, and and yeah, so let me. JJ was from texting. From texting, yeah. And I remember you, you while we were driving flying, you you were texting him, and I, I was like, "What you doing?" And he's like, I, "I think I got a deal." So what happened is we teamed up with a big wholesaler at the time. His name is Martino, and I think it's Utah House Buyers. Yeah. And these guys were willing to JV, joint venture, and help you sell your deals through their buyers list. And these guys saved our lives. Like we had, our buyers list was like 100 people. I don't know what was wrong with us, how we couldn't find more buyers at this time. I think we like tried to- I just don't think we knew, and we spent so much time and effort trying to find deals, it just wasn't a priority. To get buyers. Like getting buyers. Which is like one of the most important things to selling your deal is having a great buyers list, which we're great at now. We can find buyers for anything. Yeah. But we we started now because we had Marno in his great list. We started to sell a lot. We're like, hey, we figured it out. We needed a great buyers list. We weren't terrible at getting deals. We just couldn't sell them. Yeah. So he would take thirty percent or, or a certain split if he brought I think a buyer. It was 30. Yeah, it was like seventy thirty. Um, and if he could bring a buyer. So he started blasting out. So we got a deal from texting. It was like a $46,000 deal. He took, you know, 30%. So that one was huge and that paid off our credit card debt of 30K and we were just ecstatic. And then we started getting some more. Uh, we got one from cold calling from, uh, which was Zach. Um, another one from texting, which was like a 10K deal. And then Joanna was a, you know, a 12K deal. deal. And again, these would be bigger. These would be bigger, right? If we weren't get, having someone help us JV, but yeah. they were like a crutch for us. Like we're like, oh, dude, they they so dispo it. Really it was nice at the time because we were just trying to get deals and find good deals, and it was nice not to have to worry about it. And they like just did so good at it. Like they would they would send they would just basically take it over from us and just go sell it. And realizing so now what we know now, it's not that hard. No. If you have a good deal, you can yeah, sell. If you have it. a good deal and. Good buyers, you know, you can sell pretty easy. So, we got some more deals like Troy in Rose Park. That was from cold calling. So it was mainly texting, cold calling, and PPC that was getting us our leads at that time. And we're typically with cold calling, it takes a little while. So like you get the lead, and then it takes like a couple months for some reason for it to pan out. It's like been with all of our cold calling leads. Yeah, cold calling is a longer. So it's like ended up closing later. Yeah, it's just a longer deal cycle. So cold calling is a longer song and dance, right? It takes time. So texting can be quick. PPC is usually the quickest. Yeah. So we kind of um, 
kind of gone over like the that that kind of second half of the. So that's kind of the second half of the first year. But we want to talk about Mo. So yeah, let's talk about Mo. So oh, Mo, man. I think that Mo, we ended crazy, up doing dude. the deal right after Christmas. Right. But, but we had been working with him. We'd been working him for months. For months, yeah. So this this is what happened, with Mo. This is a crazy situation. So they, we were dealing with this guy who's in pre foreclosure. He was behind on his payments by like twelve months or like eight months or something like that. And he was, I don't know if they had like they didn't have an auction date yet, did they? I don't think so. So he had the opportunity to like reinstate his loan if he like came up with a certain amount of money or if he like came in, but he didn't, he was like, I don't want to do that. He told us, he's like, Hey, I don't want to reinstate it. I don't want to like make these payments. I want to move out of here. The house is too small. So we would be like, okay, if we can do this, are you ready to go? And he'd be like, come back tomorrow. So we like went back like three or four times and eventually we're just like, Hey, like we can't keep coming back here. Like either want to work with us or not. Like if you don't, that's fine. And we basically, he didn't like the offer at the time. It was like too low and everybody else was coming too low. So I said, look, Hey, we can do a seller finance deal where we can, um, you know, pay you more with a balloon payment cause you want more money and we can make you, you know, a, a, a small upfront payment right now so you can move out and, um, you know, we'll pay you a larger sum in the future. So he was cool with that. Right. Yeah. And, um, so he signed, we got him to sign. And um, he also, because he was older, he was just like, look, give me, give me a couple months to move out after I get, you know, the, after we close and you give me the money up front. So we give him like $5,000 up front and he's like, give me a couple months to move because it was winter. So we're like, okay. So I think we gave him till this, it closed in January. We gave him until like the end of, was it April or? I don't even remember to be honest. We gave him, a, we gave him like three or four months to move out, right? So I ended up buying the deal because we couldn't find a buyer for it. Again, yeah, our no buyers list, it. this is before the Martino thing. This is before we had the JV deal. So this is, um, I ended up buying it and let the guy stay in there. By the way, never do a seller finance deal and let them have post possession of the property. Like just don't never do that because their stack technically can still be on title and then you're gonna have major issues, you know, if you let them live in it after you close. So make sure that you have a lease or something in place. I just let the guy live in it, right? So you probably want to sign a lease back. Yeah, or not? Don't don't let him stay in there after you uh, buy in a seller finance. Just don't do that. Um, if you can avoid it. If you can. But I think avoid the lease back would cover most of that issue, like showing that they're supposed to be paying rent, showing that they're a tenant, not a owner. Yeah. So it. So what happened is that the this this one's freaking crazy. So at the end of like the time that he was supposed to move out. I went there and like nothing was packed. Like he was not ready to go. And he had, I think he had like his daughter living in a trailer in the back. Bunch of people. Bunch of there. people living there. And they're it's like. A small 600 square foot house too. Like so small. Two beds, one bath, 600 square feet, tiny. Yeah. And they didn't want to move out. When I went there, I'm like, hey, you know, are you, what's going on? Like you, you let's get this going. Like, you know, I gave you the time. I've given you the money up front. We've, I've already purchased the home and closed on it. And he's his then his family came out to battle. They came out to me. They're like, "We're not going anywhere." And I was like, "What are you talking about?" Like, Mo, didn't you tell them like what we agreed on? And he, he's just like, what? and they're like, "You took advantage of our dad. He didn't want to do any of this." And I was like, "Yo, he literally you signed. You know, he signed. His wife signed. Like everyone was on board. But now they got to get out. Now you guys got problems." So poor Mo is just sitting back there, not saying a word too, because he knew he knew that. Uh, 
But he had his family yeah, leeching off him. His like you know, fifty or forty year old daughter just living in a trailer in the backyard, just some leeching. And um, you know, so what happened is they weren't gonna get out, and I wasn't gonna go there and do anything about it. Like I'm not trying to get stabbed. So we ended up getting an, an eviction attorney uh, to go and evict him. James Dean, right? James Dean, the <laughs> the guy was the man. Yeah. So James Dean had a lot of experience with eviction. So he ends up following the paperwork and we have to go to court because they fight it. And there we go to court and I'm, sh- dude, I was shook. I was nervous, gone was to nervous. court. I was nervous. For so him. nervous. So we went to court twice and he stood up in front of the court and was like, I don't know what their argument was. Like, hey, we didn't sell the house. He had these some people. like mortgage lender on his team right trying to push this forward yeah trying to help him out or something somebody was like hey these guys don't don't own it they don't they're not entitled and it's like no we actually closed on the property and they were fighting it because they were like hey you know we don't want to move so eventually after the second day in court and again i'm nervous because i've never been through this uh the second day in court the 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 judge is just like hey if you want to fight this you're gonna have to um, this might take like a six months to a year. So if you're going to fight it, you're going to have to come up with the rent that I would lose, you know, on this property for the amount of time that this will, uh, you know, go through court. So if it takes six months, or they said a year. So he's like, hey. So Mo would have to take, pay that rent. Yeah. He's, or, yeah. So he's like, hey, for if, if this is going to go, if you guys want to fight this, you're going to have to come up with, let's say rent's a thousand bucks. You're going to have to come up with, um, like twelve hundred dollars times times X, like so it had they had to come up with like seven thousand dollars if they wanted to fight it, and they were like, "Nah, let's not fight it." So they eventually, I won, and I got the property, and they moved out, and now I'm running it. But it it was just a disaster, dude. Fiasco. But it's crazy. Yeah, so crazy. So again, that we were new to seller finance at that time, um, creative financing. And uh, so my re- recommendation from that is just don't, to avoid problems, if you're gonna buy someone's property, just make sure on a seller finance or creative finance deal where they're still on title, um, that make sure they're out of it. Cause you're gonna have some problems if they try to fight it. You'll pro- hopefully you'll win, but there's just some, there could be some issues. Um, I wish sure. the, the title guy that helped us through the transaction would have let me know that that was probably not the best idea to let the guy stay in it. But you live and you learn. Yeah. And by the way, sometimes you need that to get the deal done. And in the end, it was worth it, right? Because yeah. you got it it's at one fifty, and now it's worth two seventy. Yeah, it's, yeah. So like, you have one hundred twenty k in equity. You know. Yeah. It's worth, it's worth the little fight. I guess the headache, was. but but just to guys let to let you guys know, post possessions, I'd say ninety percent of the people we let say like let them stay in after, and they have like a certain amount of time to move out. They usually don't move out at that time. So be, be prepared. Usually they don't go to court either. They don't usually go to court, but they usually don't get out they're when they say they will. They're usually slow getting out, but they usually also don't go to court. So it's just a matter of being patient. Don't just try not to think about it that much, to be honest. Yeah. Just keep Just, just be keep mentally prepared. Yeah, be mentally be, prepared. Be prepared. You know, don't, don't get too emotionally involved or drained in it. Just... Dude, let let the lawyers do the job. Let let the courts do the work, and I mean, just do everything right, and then you won't have to worry about it. 
I just want to let you guys know that like when I first got served those papers or knew I was going to court, I was like in the shower like shaking because I was like never been sued or whatever, gone to court. I was so nervous. Now through three years of this, I'm like unshakable. Like we've had to go, we'll tell you guys about this other experience, but we had to go kick a squatter out and the police showed up and the squatter wasn't like willing to leave the house. He was standing in the doorway and it, it was crazy. People were like yelling and like, I wasn't nervous one bit because of things that I've been through. Um, like, yeah, I'd been threatened to be sued in college for a, a lease option I did. And most of it's just bluffing, but honestly just the courts and the lawyers, let them do the work. Don't, don't stress about it. Yeah. Don't overthink it. J- like, j- just know if you get served any papers or an attorney. Like we're, we're in a lawsuit right now. Kind of. Yeah. They, they're threatening us they're when threatening we had the us. rights to, to buy a house. And it's yeah. like, there's no, there's no reason to stress about it. You just, it's just that's Let the way the of life. Do the work I think I saw like one of our mentors said like if you haven't been sued yet, you're you haven't you're not really in real estate. Yeah. Like it's just gonna happen. Like people, even if you're in the right, which we people are, people make decisions and then they regret them and then, and then they try to back out of them and. Yeah, just it's, how it is. That's the business we're in. Anyway, like we probably probably end right now and just that's kind of like was the first year. Yeah. You know, and, and so next episode we'll get into the second year. We'll go over a little bit more um yeah, how we how we continue to grow, some of the some of the deals we got towards the end of that year. And uh we'll cover we'll try to cover the full second year next yeah, time. Yeah, real quick for you guys. So let's do a recap on like what wholesalers, real estate investors can learn from this. So first real quick, uh let's let's recap how we're getting these deals. We got them from texting, cold calling, and pay-per-click like online ads. So those are good lead sources. Even though they're cracking down on texting and cold uh, texting mainly, it's like it's still a good lead source. We still we st- did a deal from texting the other a couple of months ago from, from did 27k on it. Which yeah, we is don't good. do a lot of texting anymore, but yeah, I mean you can still get deals from it. Yeah, again, you can get deals on anything if you do enough. If you be uh, if you're consistent. You're consistent. So cold calling works too. Um, uh, so that's how we got most of the deals the second part of the half of the year. Um, Let's recap. Like, if you're gonna do creative financing, I think one thing to recap on is, without lead gen, you don't have a business. Like, if you don't have leads coming in to work and call, you don't have a business. Like, when we wouldn't have leads, we would be sitting around twiddling our thumbs, or we'd go out and try to, you know, flyer or, and that's just that's just not the way. You need lots of leads in this business to close deals. So yeah, so I think like. If, if you're gonna like watch our like our trajectory of like how we did business, you're gonna see the reason why we weren't that successful is because our lead flow was not high. But we didn't really know to realize that or, or think of that until later. But that's that's the main reason. We didn't have yeah. a lot of leads. Yep. And then so obviously another takeaway is seller finance. Make sure you set it up right. Otherwise- You could be- I mean, even if you set it up right with uh, like a lease back, he still could get sued. But he would have just been in an even stronger position going to court. Yeah. Mainly, I was in a good position. I just was scared because yeah. it was my first time. Yeah, I mean, no. we did it right, so there was nothing to be nervous about. Oh, yeah. Last thing we'll say about that. So when we were in court, the daughter stood up and was like, this man threatened my dad and made him sign. And also, he told us to get back in the house when we went out to talk to him. He said, 
blatant lies, by the way. Blatant lies, and they were all recorded by the the who's the person that writes stuff down at the court, like whatever the the writer or whatever. There's some, someone that types some every clerk or whatever. Yeah, the clerk. So she had written all this stuff down, and then I had read it later, and it was just I was just laughing because it was so such a lie. She's like, he th- he told us to get the bump in the house, and it was like, no, I didn't. Like, you're just lying. But anyway, it was just funny to sit there and just have her lie. And I was just like sitting there. It's pretty unfortunate because we liked Mo a lot. Oh, he was a great guy. We would go chat with him. He would show us like his cool cars that he was building. Like he took us to his shop one time, showed us around. Yeah, Mo's great. The the cars, like the classic cars he was like fixing up and I guess renovating. Yeah, I think he's great. No hard, you know, obviously I wish him the best. I think the problem was his family that was leeching off him. It was a tough spot. didn't, Didn't want the place where they were, you know, living, you know, they weren't paying any rent. They weren't helping at all. You know, if, if they would have just gotten jobs, they could have kept the house and been fine. Right. But they, he was the only one working. So he was in a tough spot. You know, we were able to buy the house and help him get out of it already too. So, I mean, just, it was crazy. And I remember when she was yelling at me, I was just clenching my fists. Like she's lying. She's a liar, but you can't say that. So, Hey man, this job it's awesome. Like with the journey we've been on, we got some crazy stories coming up about the squatter that we had to kick out. We've, you know, it's wild. But yeah, stay tuned for uh, the second year coming up next week. Yep, yep. And um, other than that, guys, like freaking thanks for tuning in. Check out InvestorThrive.com. We focus on helping sellers, uh, sorry, wholesalers improve in their personal lives and in their businesses. Because real quick, a lot of this business is not just being good at leads and negotiating, but it's like being mentally, physically like good yourself. You want to be like in a position where you can capitalize and you know be the best self you can be. People can feel over the phone and when you negotiate, when you just meet people, it's like you got your ish together. You know? So that's kind of if you have any questions, reach out to me. Get it. All right. Have a good one. See you guys.